You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Um, It's already been a great day, and that's going to continue as I come to the stage to deliver today's message. So you can grab your Bibles, notebooks, and pens and get ready for the word. See, y'all didn't think I knew that. Boots and pants, boots and pants, boots and pants, boots and pants. Um, This is, it's never a dull moment, that's for sure. Never a dull moment. If you got your Bible, you got a smart device, Um, Why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to the Old Testament. Uh, We're going to be in the book of Proverbs. Um, We're going to look in a couple places, Proverbs 21 and then Proverbs 11. We'll use that as our launching point this morning. Um, And then we'll just just see what happens. Um, Everybody ready? You buckled up? Here we go. Uh, I recently read a statistic that um, in 2007, the average person was exposed to around 5,000 advertisements per day, all right? Last year in 2022, just 15 years later, um, that number had doubled to over 10,000 advertisements a day that we are exposed to. And the majority of them, we don't even know, we don't even realize, we're not even aware that it's something that we are seeing. And so let's put this to the test um, here for just a second. Let's see if you guys can hang with me. Um, Maybe some of the ads that you've been exposed to. Arby's, we have the meats. See, you know, except that's false advertising because Arby's doesn't have ham. And so I realized the irony of the fact that I have a beef with Arby's (laughs) because they do not have ham. I've suggested to them on multiple occasions that they should change their slogan to, we have most of the meats or perhaps some of the meats, but to declare that you have all of them when you do not have ham is simply false advertising. I'm very upset about that. How about this one? We are farmers. You guys are on top of it. How about Whopper, 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 BK, have it. Your, y'all are going to have that in, the he- in your head for the rest of the day. You're welcome. That's the most annoying commercial on TV right now. But we're exposed to all these advertisements. We don't even, we don't even know. And they just, like, it's, we don't even have to think about it. We just hear them and then we regurgitate that information. And studies have shown that the more ads that we see, the more miserable we tend to become. The reason is, is because each one of those ads serves as a reminder to us of something that we don't have. And the message of our world today is get more, acquire, accumulate, hoard, because this is the only way that you can be happy. It perpetuates this idea that we can't live a good and fulfilled life unless we have the newest iPhone or those buttery soft leggings or a fresh pair of Jordans or that expensive designer purse. 
And don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. There's nothing inherently wrong of, for wanting to have or for even having any of those things. But, but where we get it wrong is when we believe that those are the things that are going to lead to our happiness. It's what Dave Ramsey talks about when he, he says that we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. And, and when we do that, having done all of that, we still find ourselves unfulfilled in the end of it all. But despite us realizing that our culture continues to scream at us, and it screams the message that says, it is more blessed to get. But here's what the wisdom of Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 21, 26, maybe you've turned there. Is the TV gonna work this morning? Yeah. It says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, that means the people who are like God, they love to give. It says in Proverbs 11, it says, the generous will prosper. Anybody want to prosper? The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Don't take Proverbs words for it though. Take Jesus' words for it. He said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed there, it literally means happy. And so what Jesus is saying is that, that you will be happier, you will be more joyful, you will be more fulfilled, you will find blessing in your life, not when you get, but when you give. And here's what I know about the majority of the people that call Christ Walk Church home. You guys love to give. You love to give. I've seen it over and over and over time and time again. In fact, one of the core values of this house is generosity is our identity. And a lot of you model that so very well. And then there's others of you, it's not that you don't want to be generous, but rather when I talk to people all the time, it's, it's not that they don't want to be generous, it's that they feel like they can't be generous. And, and so the question for us then becomes, how do we move from that place where we feel like we can't be generous to the place where generosity is our identity? It is the thing that, that one of the things that defines who we are. And today we're continuing our series called The Ways of the Wise, where we're taking a look at what the Bible teaches us from the book of Proverbs about living successful and fulfilled lives. And all the way back in part one, we talked about making wise decisions and the importance of deciding now what we will do later. And so we've been operating off of this formula right here. When I'm faced with blank, I will blank that we decide now whenever X, Y, Z happens, this is then how I will choose to respond. We're not gonna wait until the heat of the moment. We're gonna decide now so that when that moment arises, we know what we are going to do. We make these kinds of decisions ahead of time based on the things that we value. And our decisions will determine our direction and our direction will ultimately determine our destination. And so over the course of this series, we're considering together how we can arrive at six specific destinations in order to become people that are prepared, 
people that are devoted, people that are generous, people that are faithful, people that are consistent, and people that are finishers. And so for the next few minutes today, I want to talk to you about one of my very favorite topics, one of my very favorite things to talk about, and that's the topic of generosity. Here's what I know to be true about generosity. It will never happen by accident. It's never going to happen by accident. And here's what most people think about generosity. They have the mindset in regard to generosity that, well, when I have more, then I'll give more. But what I've discovered in my own life and in the lives of others is, is that this is not how generous people operate. The fact of the matter is, is that generosity has nothing to do with what you do have or what you don't have. Because at the end of the day, generosity, it's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. And Jesus told us in Luke chapter 12, he said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's the truth this morning. There are people in this world, there, there are poor people in this world who are stingy people. There's also rich people in this world that are stingy people. Another truth is, is that there are rich people in this world that are very generous there's also poor people in this world that are very generous because generosity is not about having a lot to give. It's simply about giving out of what you already have. And so in whatever stage you find yourself today, you need to understand that, that generosity, it is a, it's a learned behavior because we come out of the womb and we are not generous. We're only concerned with me, me, me. I'm hungry, I'm sleepy, I've pooped my pants. That's all that we're concerned about. It's all centered on us. But generosity is centered outside of us. It's centered on the world around us. And so it's something that we have to learn. It, it's, not, it's not our first initial nature. It's something that we have to fight against and something that we have to be intentional about. And so what, what, whatever stage that we find ourselves today, when, when we're learning to be generous, you need to understand that, that if you're not generous now, if you can't learn to be generous now in whatever stage of life, whatever situation you find yourself in, if you can't learn to be generous in that, in, in that period, then there's likely, there's, there's likely a chance that you're not going to be generous later. No matter what happens, no matter how much more you're able to get, no matter how much wealth you accumulate, if you can't be generous where you are right now, there's no chance that you're going to be generous later. So let's zoom in for a second on that passage that I mentioned out of Luke chapter 12. Um, it, it talks about a rich man. This is Jesus speaking, and he, he's telling a story. He talks about a rich man who had a very fertile farm, and he was blessed with a huge harvest. This man had a significant problem, though. His barn wasn't big enough to hold all of the harvest and so he had an opportunity in this moment to be able to give like he'd never given before, over and above everything that he actually needed to meet his needs. But instead, he simply did what he'd always done. Luke chapter 12, verses 18 and 19, then he, speaking of the farmer, said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
See, there's this misnomer that when we have more, then we're able to then be generous. The truth is, is that having more money or more of anything won't automatically make us more generous. It's just going to make us more of what we already are. So the big idea for today, if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down, what I want to talk to you about for the next few moments is that if you want to be generous when you have more, learn to be generous when you have less. If you want to be generous when you have more, then you need to learn to be generous when you have less. And so I want to kind of drill down on, on two qualities of generous people that I see repeated over and over and over again. And the first one of those qualities is that generous people plan to be generous. Generous people plan to be generous. Now, the, the, this entire series is all about us planning, that, that wise people plan ahead to do things or, or be certain things. And that is how generous people live. Generous people, I told you, it's not going to happen by accident. So they, they plan to be generous. Because see, it's, it's easy for us to think that generosity is just randomly blessing people, you know? That generosity is like when we see the guy on the corner with the cardboard sign and we dig around in the console of the car for some change and we throw him a couple dollars that, that we think that that's generosity or, or maybe uh, you know, paying for the person behind you in the drive through lane or you know, something like that. And don't get me wrong, that's, those, those are certainly places that, that can, can help to foster a culture of generosity in your life. That's, that's the place where generosity can begin, but it doesn't paint the full picture. But yet this is how most of us operate when it comes to giving and generosity. You know, we'll see pictures of sad, shivering dogs in cages. And we hear Sarah McLaughlin, in the arms of the angel. Fly away from here in the star-cold hotel room. You know, and we're conditioned in that moment to reach for our wallets. And we get the phone and we call the 1-800 number because we don't want puppies to suffer. Or on the way out of church, we'll see some really sad, shivering young people peddling baked goods. And we hear Sarah McLaughlin. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we'll look at them, and they're raising money for a trip or something. And so we'll give them $20 for a brownie and think that we are generous. That's not generosity. That's called giving. That's not generosity. Those two things are definitely connected together. Giving is the place that generosity starts, but just giving does not paint the full picture of generosity. And so let me be clear this morning. Giving is good. You should do it as much as you possibly can. Giving is a good thing, but it doesn't encapsulate the fullness of what it means to live a lifestyle of generosity. Because generous people at their core, they are not reactive. They're proactive. They don't simply give when they see a need. Now, they likely will but they don't simply give when they see a need or, or give out of, out of a response of, uh, to guilt or, or to, um, to inspiration or anything like that. Rather, they've set aside extra from the beginning because they're already planning to give it. 
Generous people are, are they're, they're, they're setting aside, they're, they're building in margin in their lives, and then they walk out and they look for opportunities to sow seeds of blessing into the lives of people around them. Isaiah 30, 32 verse 8 says this, it says, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. See, generous people plan. And here's the funny thing about that. All of us have a plan. The majority of us, our plan is built around consumption. Like, think about it. Like, right now, you probably have a grocery list. A few months ago, your kids, they had a Christmas list. Maybe you have an Amazon wish list right now of things, you know, all of that. And we, we, we have these, these ongoing lists in all these different areas of our lives of things that we plan to get and to consume. But generous people, they don't plan to consume. Instead, they plan to give. And, and those who are truly generous will strategically and prayerfully design their life around generosity. This is where the wisdom part comes in. See, it's, it's, it's not spontaneous. It's not emotional. It's not random for the generous person. Instead, it is very purposeful and intentional. And the reason that more people in the world are not generous people is because the vast majority of people have no specific plan when it comes to their finances. This is what, what Rick Edelman said. I love this. He said, hope is not a financial plan. See, failing to plan is planning to fail. And whether you realize it or not, you have a plan for your finances. You have a plan. It may not be a good one, but you do have a plan. It may not be written down. It may not be something that you are actively pursuing and exercising, but you have a plan nonetheless for how you're going to handle your money. And here's the typical financial plan for the majority of American households. See if this might sound familiar to some of you. The financial plan for the majority of, the, of American households is to spend more than they make, which leads to a lack of margin, which causes you to end up living paycheck to paycheck, which leads to overwhelming amounts of stress and worry, which spills over into the other relationships and aspects of your life, and then you just wash, rinse, and repeat over and over and over and over. Anybody with me this morning? Anybody ever felt the tension of that this morning? A couple people. Okay, I'm glad I'm talking to a couple people. The rest of y'all lying. <laughs> I would suggest, though, that the problem that we have isn't so much of a money problem as it is a spiritual problem. It's because we've, we've, accustomed, we've conditioned ourselves and, and we've grown accustomed to, to trusting in money and things more than we're willing to trust God. It's just like what we talked about last week where we said, I will seek first what matters most. That is the case for the people who are wise, not just in the area of their time, but also in the area of their treasure because this is how generous people live. And so then the question becomes is, is how can we seek first the kingdom of God with our finances? 
And it starts with a biblical principle called the tithe. Malachi 3.10 says this. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Now that word right there, tithes, that is the Hebrew word ma'aser. It means 10th. It literally means first 10th or the first 10%. And every time I talk about tithing, There's two kinds of people. The first kind of person is the person that hears this from the scriptures. They're they're presented this this information. They're, They're confronted with this challenge and they think there's no way that I can do that. There is no way that I can do that. The second kind of person is the person that hears this and we talk about tithe and they say, there's no way I can't do that. See the subtle difference? The first person says, there is no way that I can do that. The second person says, man, there's no way that I can't do that. And if you're one of those first kinds of people, you're probably thinking that it's just gonna require too many changes in your lifestyle in order to be able to tithe. And I would ask you the question, do you you like what you're getting? Do you like the results you're getting already? If the answer is no, then why not try something else? Because the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And so you're thinking, I, I don't think that I could do that. It's just gonna require too many changes. Like I would, it would literally require me to rearrange everything that I have and all the things that I'm doing uh, and, and rearrange my life around God and his commandments. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Exactly, that's the point. But you look at that and and I, I, I understand, I get it. The weight of that is crushing and you feel like it's not possible. And so what I would encourage you, if you find yourself in that position this morning that you need to, you need to find one of those second kinds of people and they're all over this church. You need to find one of those second kinds of people and let them teach you how, not only that it's possible, but that it's also worth it. Here's why I know it's worth it. Here's why they know it's worth it because they've discovered the secret. The last part of Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then my favorite part, he says, try it. Put me to the test. Try it. Go ahead, gather all the empty jars you can find and take your little flask of oil and see if I won't begin to pour out infinitely more than you even had in the first place. He's saying, go ahead, do it. Put me to the test. See if I won't respond. He like, like I double dog dare you. That's what I hear the Lord speaking to us in this passage and see if I won't come through. See, some people hear that and they think it's a bunch of prosperity gospel nonsense. It's not prosperity gospel. I don't believe in that. You know what I do believe in? I believe in generosity gospel. John three sixteen. 
Probably the most well-known scripture in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's right there. It's right there in the message of the gospel. The essence of the gospel was founded on the principle of generosity. And when you and I, when we'll tap into the principle of generosity, we will quickly find that it'll begin to reverse the cycle. Instead of spending more than we make, which leads to lack, which ends up with stress and worry, when we begin to return God's tithe, and it's important that we know you don't, you don't give God his tithe, you return it because you can't give something that didn't belong to you in the first place. You simply return it. You borrow a tool from your neighbor's garage, you're not giving him his shovel back. You're just returning what you borrowed from him already. When you return God's tithe, then what happens is God blessing, God's blessings gets on you and, and then it, it builds your faith in return. And so you reverse that cycle and you turn it into something else, altogether different. It's moving in the opposite direction of where you once used to be. Many of you know that you've been around here for a while. You've heard me talk about this. Some of you have even adopted it for yourselves. It's what's going to be etched on my tombstone once I leave this, this mortal plane. My motto in life, my philosophy, my outlook is pay your tithes and live right. That's what I say. Not only do I say it, I do my best to do it. And I just believe in, in, in what I've seen in my life over and over and over again is, is when people choose to live this way, when I've chosen to live this way, like the, the blessings of God, are, are they're, they're just there. They're readily elevant or uh, readily, what was I saying? Evident and readily evident and available when you choose to live that way. And I've seen it time and time again in my life. And, and here's some, some recent examples um, Sarah and I, we, we'd, we'd been saving some money and uh, we wanted to redo the floor in our living room. We had carpet. We were wanting to put down some, um, some LVP. And so we, we did the measuring and, and we measured multiple times and we were sure that we had the measurement and the square footage correct. And we went to the store and, and not only do you have to buy you know, enough flooring, but you have to buy a, a percentage over and above that because you're gonna make mistakes and, and everything. And so, so we did that in, in, a, in accordance with all the percentages and everything and, and even what, the, what the, the flooring manufacturer recommended on the box and, and all that stuff. And, and we got the flooring done and had some help with, uh, from, a, from a great friend here in the church that came over and, and helped me and showed me how to do it all. And we got it done. And I realized, man, we got a whole lot of flooring left. And I, w I was able to take back a whole bunch of extra flooring, and I got a third of my initial investment back. I couldn't believe it because we'd measured correctly and we'd done exactly what we needed to do. And I, I called, I, I told Sarah, I said, pay your tithes and live right. <laughs> I talked to my dad. He said, how'd the floor go? I said, not only did, did the Lord uh, uh, multiply the loaves and the fishes, he multiplied these LVP planks. I can't explain it. I, put, I loaded up the back of the truck with six boxes, took it back to the store, and got a third of my money back. Pay your tithes and live right. It just happens. There was a family here in the church that told me, they said, Pastor Blake, we're, we're living our, our, our life with our arrow, direction, our arrow pointed in the direction of God and, and everything, and, and we, we want so much more and everything, and we're trying to do right, and everything. but the one thing that we've been holding back We've been holding back the tithe, but this year, 2023, we're making a commitment. We're gonna start tithing. We wanna be faithful in that area of our life as well. 
It's going to be tight for us, and we're not sure that we can do it, but, but we're, we're going to make the commitment. We're going to do this. So they paid tithes for the first time, and then a couple days later, got a message from the people that do the financial stuff for their daycare that said, hey, we were going over the books, and we realized that in 2022, you paid too much, and so you don't, you don't have to pay this next week. Your daycare's covered because you've got a credit on your account. Pay your tithes and live right. It happens. I can't explain it, but it happens just like that. It, it, you, you may not, you may not like be, be going out and like picking up $100 bills off the front lawn. I'm not going to guarantee that to you, but what, what I will guarantee to you is, is that, that you're going to see it come back. If, if you'll look for it, you'll see how God's blessings will come back to you. There's another family in the church that a couple years ago, they had nearly $40,000 in credit card debt. They were really struggling financially. They weren't sure what to do. They went through Financial Peace University, got their plan in place because that's what wise and generous people do. They started to walk out that plan. And in a little bit over two years, without missing a meal, without missing a rent payment or a mortgage payment, without missing a tithe, you know what they did? They paid off that $40,000 of credit card debt because God, like it, it, you pay your tithes and you live right and great stuff happens. I can't explain it. Here's what I know to be true about God. We can't outgive him. His math doesn't make sense. And he always proves faithful every single time. And you can experience that sort of stuff in your own life by deciding now that you're going to be generous later. By deciding now that I'm not going to give God my leftovers. I'm going to give him my first and my best and then trust him to bless the rest. Generosity begins with a plan. It starts with the tithe and it grows from there. And if you've never been a tither, I want to help you to do what the Lord says, to try it and put him to the test. There's a thing here at Christ Walk that we do. It's called the 90-day tithe challenge. If you've never been, a, you're, you're a brand new tither, you've never done this before, you can register for this on our website at thechristwalk.com forward slash give. And then over the course of 90 days, the challenge is for, for you to, to do what the Bible tells you to do, to put God to the test, to take that first 10% of your income and give it as tithe, return God's tithe to him. And at the end of the 90 days, if you haven't seen the benefit and the blessing of God in your life, you come back to us and you let us know yeah, it didn't work for me, and we'll write you a check for everything that you gave during that 90-day period, no questions asked. You can do this, and we want to partner with you. It's, it's not because we're looking for something from you. It's because we want something for you. He says, if you'll do this, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And that as your pastor, that's something that I want for every single one of you to experience that kind of blessing in your life. It's right there on the other side of your decision 
now to be generous later. Generous people plan to be generous. Number two, generous people go over and above. Generous people go over and above. I'm conducting a little ongoing sociology experiment as I live my life. The experiment entails the fact that I believe you can tell a lot about a person by what they do with their grocery cart after they load groceries in their car. My theory, my, my hypothesis is that the, the, those, those of us that have an aptitude for generosity are the ones that return their cart back to the corral. And the theory that I have, it goes a step further in that those that are the most generous among us are the ones that not only take their cart, but they'll get the other ones that all the jerks have left in the parking places. <laughs> you know, and like propped up on the median there and everything, they'll get some of those and take them to the corral as well. Generous people go over and above. I recently experienced this um, indirectly because I got to be the conduit for someone's generosity here um, through the church a few days ago. Uh, There was a a family in crisis. They'd had several different things happen and and, um, needed some help. And so uh, pastoral care is is not my strong suit, but I was doing my best. And one of the things was is that they had a nail in their tire and it was flat, but because of some other logistical issues and everything, they just, they needed help getting it fixed. And so I had gone and and gotten gotten the vehicle and taken it to the store to see what we could do about getting the tire fixed. And wouldn't you know it, just my luck because my last name is Snap. Tires unfixable. And we noticed that the, the, the tires themselves, it was about time to, to replace them. And so rather than just replace one and then have three, you know, more worn ones and everything, or just replace two and have, have two more worn ones, you know, I, I had somebody that got wind of what was going on and they said, just put a new set of tires on it for that family. And they gave me the money. It's fun to spend other people's money. (laughs) That was a great day. And and so I I got that done and and I called them and I said, okay, it's it's done and everything. We arranged the way to to make the payment and and to do all that. And and they asked how much it was and I told them and they said, that's great. Here's what we're sending. Here's what we're going to give. And I said, that's that's more. And they said, no, you're going to need to stop and fill it up with gas on the way back to their house. See, generous people go over and above the call of duty. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor Blake, when I tithe, should I tithe on my net or should I tithe on my gross? And I tell them the same thing every time. I say, which number do you want the Lord to bless? Because generous people, they're not looking for the bare minimum. They want to go over and above, above and beyond the call of duty. I've heard some people say when going out to eat, 10% is good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for the waiter. (laughs) Number one, if you aren't able to tip, don't eat out. (laughs) Just stay home. And by no means go to the restaurant wearing your Christ Walk (laughs) t-shirt. Nip that in the bud right now. Number two, what we've got to recognize is that 10% is the floor, not the ceiling. 
And so for people that think that way, you're missing the point entirely. Generosity isn't simply about achieving the bare minimum. That's legalism. That's what the Pharisees did. Generosity is about looking for opportunities to go over and above. Check it out. Some examples from the Bible. You know the Good Samaritan? There was a man that was beaten and left for dead. The Samaritan tended to his wounds. He, he coated them with oil. He put bandages on. He puts him on his donkey, takes him to a hotel. Here's what the Samaritan told the innkeeper in Luke chapter 10. He says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. He went over and above the call of duty. We know the story of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he, you know the song. You know Zacchaeus, you come down. We got to finish it, I guess. From going to your house today, from going to your house today. Here's what happened. Zacchaeus says this. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. I'm not just going to give them back what I owe them. I'm going to give them back four times. He learned to be generous. The the Lord had changed his heart. And he said, I'm going to go over and above the call of duty. Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 4. He says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. It's all about going over and above. Now, please know, I'm not talking about this today because I'm trying to beat anyone up with the Bible. People that get mad at me whenever I talk about tithing and generosity, I've come to realize that those are the people that aren't living that way. Because what I've come to discover is that people that have realized the blessing of this kind of lifestyle in their life, man, you can't talk about it enough for those people. So please hear my heart. It's about me wanting something for you, not something from you. And I'm not talking about this today because our church is in some sort of financial distress. In fact, I'm happy to report that it's quite the opposite. In the five years that I've been the pastor here, we've seen our giving increase regularly, month over month, year over year, including the global pandemic. And because of your faithfulness and generosity, we closed out the books on 2022 with an income that was nearly double of what it was in 2018, my first year here as pastor. And on top of that, we had 76 first-time givers last year. We can celebrate that. And I say all of this to you to say, some of y'all know my story. One of the reasons that I'm so passionate about this is because I've lived both sides of it. Years ago, I was serving on staff at a church, but I wasn't honoring God with my tithe. I wasn't returning his tithe to him. And it wasn't a money problem. My heart was in the wrong place. I'm so thankful to God for Christian leaders who came alongside me humbly, and graciously 
taught me and linked arms with me and pointed me in the right direction in love and in grace. I'm so thankful for my mom and dad who are watching right now online, who live this out better than any two people that I've ever seen in my life. And so for anyone on the fence in this area, I can only encourage you with what I'd bet that anyone else living this kind of lifestyle would say to you. I wish I would have started living this way sooner. I just wish I would have started living this way sooner because I've come to realize that God's way is the best way. So if we want to be generous when we have more, we've got to learn to be generous when we have less. And so all of us, regardless of where we're at, the challenge this morning is to decide now how you're going to behave later. To decide now, even with what little you have, to be generous. And then watch as God blesses and multiplies. See, I've come to the place, I don't know about you, but I'm done holding back. I'm not going to hold anything back from the Lord because he certainly hasn't held back anything from me. See, giving, it's not just what we do. Generosity is our identity. Giving is who we are. And I love this illustration. Y'all know I've got one message on giving. I just preach it over and over and over again. But I love this illustration. The posture for giving, which is open hands, is the same posture for receiving. When we open our hands and give, it positions us to receive so that then we can open our hands again and continue to give. And so we give, the Lord blesses, we receive. We give, the Lord blesses, we receive. We give, the Lord blesses, we receive. On and on and on. Here's what I know about people who live with closed hands. If you got closed hands, then whatever you're holding on to, that's all you're ever gonna have. Because not only can you not let go of that, you're not in a position to receive anything new. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, but remember, that's not gonna happen by accident. It's only gonna, be, it's only gonna happen because we make the intentional choice to be people of generosity. We're gonna make a plan. We're gonna go above and beyond and we're not gonna hold anything back. We give because God gave. That's the model. That's the why. I can't think of a better way to illustrate this than by welcoming you to the table of the Lord this morning. You've got a cup that looks something like this in your seat or in one close to you. I invite you to take that out as we prepare to take communion together. For those of you watching online, simply grab whatever you have on hand. We'll consecrate that before the Lord and you participate in this communion with us together. Taking the bread. This is the body of Christ. It was broken, 
bruised so that you could be healed and made whole. Take and eat. Taking the cup, this is the blood of Christ. It was poured out so that you could be forgiven and set free. Take and drink. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of your generosity. That while we were even sinners, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. That you gave the most precious gift that he would suffer and experience death so that we who deserve death could instead have eternal life. God, we thank you for that pattern, that model of generosity that you've established in your word and the way that you interact with your people, your children. God, I pray that you would help all of us or to be willing to let go, to make the sacrifice, to surrender, to, to, to not hold anything back. Lord, that we would give you everything and nothing less than that and that generosity would be our identity because we know that generosity is your identity. For you love the world so much that you gave your one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Lord, help us to be modelers of that in the lives that we live. Help us to be conduits of generosity to the world around us. Lord, don't let us stop it giving only, but let us take the step to become truly generous by making a plan, by going over and above, and by not holding anything back. God, we're so grateful to you for the generous outpouring of love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that was displayed on the cross. And we're thankful for life everlasting that was purchased for us when Jesus rose from the dead. And God, in return, we give you everything that we have. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray these things. Amen, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.